good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and good night to everybody who's here. Uh, You are listening to the Focus On Me podcast. I am Justin, and I'm here with my lovely wife, Denisha. Hey. And today we are going to be talking about a little interesting subject. Um, Earlier in the week, we were, I was posting and, you know, in the midst of posting, something came to me and I decided to put it up. Uh, And the concept is really simple. Uh, Fall in love with someone that appreciates who God knows you are. And uh, when I post that, instantly my buddy knows says, well, you know what? That should be the next uh, podcast. Let's you know. Let's cool. Let's let's do that. Then let's dive into it. So something different, and uh, we're gonna dive into it. So, so I think the first question I have for you is: When you posted that, what were you thinking? Where did that come from? What was your inspiration? And don't just say, "Oh, it was about you." But beyond <laughs> that, like, what what does that mean? And it sounds like. It was admonishing to people who were reading your status. So, in that admonishment, in that encouragement or, or wisdom, if you will, what what was that about? So, I guess it was a little bit of all of that. It was um, it was admonishment, wisdom, and encouragement. Um, obviously, you do know the post was inspired by you. Uh, but to dive deeper into it, so I just don't say, "Oh, it was about you," as you said, I was going to say. Um, Simple. It, it kind of revolves. It basically revolves around uh, in one in one manner. It's uh, understanding that there is somebody specifically meant for you that understands you, that appreciates you, not necessarily for how you see yourself, because sometimes we don't always see ourselves in the greatest lights. We don't always look at ourselves in the greatest lights, but it. But there's someone who sees you the way God looks at you, who appreciates you the way. And one of the things that we, you know, that it, it I know throughout my walk with God, I, I have had to learn is that he does not look at us the same way we look at ourselves. He doesn't look at us the same way most people look at us. Um, he see he, he sees the great in us, not just the good. He sees the better in us, just not the, uh, it's okay. He sees everything in us in such a brighter light and the way he loves us is the way we would want somebody to love us mm-hmm. especially if you're going to spend your life with that person you're going to want that person to love you the same way God loves you mm-hmm. um, so and in that it, it was also something it was and when I while I wrote it I was thinking about us obviously and then I also thought about people who are seeking relationship and it was an encouragement to them to also let them know not to just not to settle mm-hmm. because some people just decide, well, you know what? I can't do any better. This is all I'm worth. And I'll just stay with this. Mm-hmm. I have history, so I'll just stay with this. He or she may not be the greatest, but... I'll just stay with this because I, I, I've, I've worked with this and I've, I've, I've done this. And it was to let them know, you know what? Hey, maybe that that's not it necessarily. Mm-hmm. And just because that's not it, it doesn't mean you don't deserve more. It doesn't mean you don't deserve better. And that better and that more is what's waiting for you still. Mm-hmm. So 
I like how you said he sees the great, not just the good. What does that look like in relationships when people can't see the good in you or the great or what God is saying? So I think when, um, I guess uh, I want to try to make sure I frame this correctly. Um, I think when, I think it's hard for people to see past themselves. Okay. I think often the reasons why we can't see the great in in other people, especially in relationships, is because in, in many ways we don't see ourselves that way. Mm-hmm. And I think if we saw ourselves, that, that's why I I, th- I think that was the main reason why um, God dropped that God the God piece dropped in because we. You know, the Bible says our, our, our thoughts are not his thoughts, our ways are not his ways. And because they are so much greater and so much better, I'll let me say it that way, um, than ours, I think what happened, our mindsets aren't, aren't the same. So I think it's harder, it's hard for us, man, most times, for to, to see someone in a better light when we don't see ourselves as any better than they are. And I don't mean it in a like a like a, 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 a like a derogatory way, but in a way that where you feel like you deserve something. Some people are like, well, I get, I got, I'll get what I get, or whatever I get, I just get it, and just leave it at that, as as opposed to believing that you deserve something great, deserve something awesome, that you deserve something wonderful, something that is life changing in a good way, not just something that's just just gonna get you by. Why is it important that people fall in love with someone who sees and knows who God says they are? There is a trust factor with that. That kind of just came to my mind as you were talking. Um, I think it's important to do that because when you fall for, when you fall in love, when you fall in love with somebody, you usually fall in love with. The, it's usually the first like that infatuation, especially if you don't know the person already. If you don't, if you know the person, you kind of have a, a better, a better take. If you guys were friends, you have a better take because you've seen them in a friendship light. But if you just actually, it's a brand new person, you're just getting to know them, getting to learn them. You're always the first thing that catches you usually is their appearance, and then from the appearance, you start to have conversation. From conversation, you start to actually engage and learn about the person. I think when you really fall in love with a person, there is almost like this uh, cloud nine type thing where it's like, I can't, like, you can't get any higher. You know, the the, the very thought of that person uh, just sends you, you know, has you all, all giddy and bubbly and all that. And you don't want, you do not want to ever not have time with it. You always want to spend time. Any any open available space that you can have, you want to spend that time with them. And in spending that time with them, not only do you learn more about them, but you also end up taking on some character traits too. Mm-hmm. Now, if you fall in love with just some with somebody who does not who cannot appreciate you the way God would or does not see you the way he does, the traits that you'll pick up are the traits that they have, which aren't something that's going to actually be helpful at the end because they don't see you as anything else but anything more than you see yourself. Mm-hmm. So ultimately you look you you need to look for someone that is uh that has a higher high, let them have a high esteem of themselves 
Because if they have a high esteem of themselves and you see how they interact with others and they're always trying to pull something good out of somebody or they're always really trying to help that per- help another person that's just a friend, usually that translates into an in-relationship. Usually. At least right. from, from just, my experience. Yeah, I was just least. thinking about times where that has not with other mm-hmm. people. And I think even just doing a lot of marriage counseling, I think that is something I've, ex- I've experienced a lot where people treat other people better than they treat their spouse. Mm-hmm. You know, they're very encouraging to others. They're very giving to others, very complimentary of others right. and not to their spouse. So that's why I was making that face when you were like, usually. Um, yeah, when I think about this whole subject matter, something that came to me when, when I saw your post um, and I responded like, man, that'll preach. Not because it was about me or, or attached to your like mm-hmm. woman crush Wednesday, but just that whole philosophy. I think there are a lot of people who get in relationships based on some of those things you said, their appearance mm-hmm. or, you know, quote unquote chemistry, attraction, whether that's physical or other level of uh, attraction. But what it really caused me to think about is you know when people are especially believers are trying to walk in purpose or seeking destiny seeking what God has called them to do and and even people who aren't believers but have goals or ambition I think a lot of times when those things aren't aligned that's going to cause a challenge down the line right Mm -hmm. so one of the things that I shared with you when we were dating you know, I said, I know I'm called to do, you know, certain things. And are you in agreement with that? Mm-hmm. So even though we <laughs> boo loving or caking on the phone <laughs> and I'm not necessarily preaching at this moment. Right, right. Like, can you be OK with me when I am in that space? Or, right, right. you know, are you in that space? And even the scripture tells us. It asks the question, you know, can two people walk together unless they are agreeing? Mm-hmm. And even just, not even spiritual, like just pragmatically, when you think about if we're going to go get something to eat, right. how are we going to eat together unless we have a decided on the place we're both <laughs> going to eat? Right. You know, and so when it comes to even now, like the things of God or calling or purpose or destiny, knowing who you are in the spirit, you know who I am in the spirit. And even the scripture says, you know, hereafter, we don't know anybody after the flesh because of what Christ has come Mm -hmm. and done because we are new creatures. We're made over. I should only know you according to who you are in that identity. Not like, yeah, that's a little pookie. That's, you know, and Mm -hmm. even funny, right? You know, when I think about it, when people ask us, like, how do we, how do we get together? There was a time that I knew you as 10-year-old Justin Mm -hmm. and then later had the revelation or the apocalypse, the unveiling of like, whoa, (laughs) he's not 10 anymore. (laughs) Like, you know, and so I think that that's, it was such good wisdom that you were sharing around like being with someone who loves, knows, and loves who God said you are. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been in other relationships where on the surface it was celebrated like oh this is who you are this is what you do Mm -hmm. and then when the rubber met the road that wasn't celebrated or it was a um 
inconvenience for mm-hmm. that person right. or those people, right? So now when I am, for example, oh, why can't we have sex? Well, I can't have sex. I'm teaching these young ladies about purity and chasteness and walking before the Lord. And you know, I got this group and this ministry. And, and, and then now you're upset because right. who I am is now conflicting with what it is that you want to do. Right. And I'm not necessarily talking about like temptation or things like that, because I think we all can yeah. find ourselves tempted. But now mm-hmm. instead of being like, OK, well, yeah, you're right. Let's figure out how we're going to overcome this temptation. Mm-hmm. It's putting a conflict in the relationship. Right. Because who I am or who I know God has called me to be, which is to ultimately live in consistency to the message that we preach right. is not getting in your way of your pleasure, your fun. Mm-hmm. And so I think when it comes to, we've talked a lot of on this on this platform about, you know, knowing when it's right, how to find right, what mm-hmm. it looks like to maintain it and all those different facets. And even the more that we'll talk about, in the future, but I really felt what you were saying was so powerful. Like, fall in love with someone who knows who God said you are and loves that person. Right. Right? Because it's easy to it's easy to love the other one because the other one is the person that you initially met. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I thought about when you were talking about like it being in different relationships and that being um, you know, them seeing or knowing or hearing you talk about what uh, you know your you know your spiritual goals and things of that nature mm-hmm. and your callings and one of the things I thought about is what I think is interesting is how someone can see it mm-hmm. they can feel it mm-hmm. like literally in the spirit feel it see it feel it know it and then not appreciate it. It's like, how is, you know, so he, so he, I guess I pose this question to you. What does it look like? Or how can, how would you advise someone to respond when uh, their partner or the person, you know, their partner is, has seen them working in the spirit, has, or even, whether it's in the spirit or, it's, or even, or whatever, whatever platform it is, but has seen them working in the calling of their life seen them knows what it is uh has seen you know seen it action it has been boom it's right there in front of them and yet cannot appreciate it cannot encourage them in it and cannot support them what would you tell them well i have two answers and i probably have to qualify them both but the first answer i would say is that if you're not married get out <laughs> and if you're married, go to counseling because I firmly believe that that will become, um, if nothing more, the small foxes that destroy the vine, or it'll be a big barrier in your marriage relationship. Because if you don't like who I am, what I do, what I'm called to do, and if I'm committed to that, Mm-hmm. It's going to constantly be a problem. So, for example, I'm a therapist. Last week alone, I was working 8.30 to 9, 9.30 right. every day. Mm-hmm. And while that's not the way I like my schedule to be, if you did not know 
who and how I was, then that would cause you to be constantly upset with me. Right. right. And even the days where I'm like, oh, yeah, we'll be able to do something because I'm done at eight o'clock. That's the morning I wake up where people are saying that we need an emergency uh, session. And Mm -hmm. now my day is going to almost 10 o'clock because people are having challenges. And that's my call is to help meet those challenges and help navigate people through those. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't like that about me before we dated or it was a prop, you know, before we got married, it's going to be a problem unless I'm just going to quit. Right. And then the reality, now, if I quit what I say I'm committed to or this is my call, it's probably going to breed secret resentment. Right. Or even right. as the scripture says, that root of bitterness will spring up to where now it's like, okay, I'm over here, you know, making blankets and or I'm over here just, you know, doing data entry because this is the type of job that, you know, fits in the type of life that he wants us mm-hmm. to have. When secretly I know I'm called, I remember working at a telemarketing um, gig, I literally worked there two weeks, and one week was the training. And <laughs> <laughs> the second week, like, we were supposed to call and get, you know, people to give us their social security number so they we could give them a quote on um, a new home loan or mortgage. Oh, but to get the quote, like, you really had to get their social security number. And the mm. more you got, you would bonus, and, like, you get out of the section of money. And my best friend worked there, and, I mean, she was killing the game, mm. like, thousands of dollars each week in bonuses. I got, like, two people to talk to me. <laughs> and both of those cases, because if they don't touch you, they wanted you to hang up and quickly get to the next one. It was like a robocall. Hang up one, they just mm. call the next. And you think about eight-hour shift to just that That's all the lot. time. And I had literally just graduated with my master's in counseling. The two people I got to talk to me was this older lady, like a widow. Her husband had just died. She didn't know anything about, you know, where the finances were. And literally the counselor got pulled out of me so quick. And I was on the phone with her for like 30 minutes. And the part of who I am was really just showing up. Right. And I that was such a lesson to me when I realized and just think about how like who we are. It doesn't go away. If I'm in a grocery store, you've been there. Like, mm-hmm. I just came here to eat, y'all. I didn't really come to this restaurant or the grocery store to do. Mm-hmm. But that part shows up, right? right? So if I'm trying to put that away because that's not something that you like or enjoy, you know, we know that we are to pastor and have been pastoring people for mm-hmm. a long time. And one of the ways I consider pastoring is I like to say peopling. Right. So people are always around Mm -hmm. to the point that even when you came to actually meet people and ask me to marry you, how many people was there? 20 some people were there because they like, "Uh uh-uh, this is, (laughs) we got to check and make sure. And so that reality is if I had to choose to stop doing that, it would cause, I know, some resentment and some challenge even between you and me because I'm putting away something that's innately a part of who I am, my identity, what I was created to do. Mm-hmm. And, and same for, you know, you. So for people who are in that place where that's not being readily celebrated, honored, mm-hmm. respected, and you're not married, get out. Mm-hmm. If you've already made that covenant, try very, very hard to work through that and work that out because it's going to continue to be a thorn in the marriage. And, you know, even I'll say this, I'll toss it back to you, but when we were uh, dating and, like, really thinking about 
what it would look like for our lives to come together, one of the things I said to you, like, hey, this is what I know I'm called to do. And and here's what I see that you're called to do, too. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, one of my friends was like, like, Denisha, do you have like an unlimited plan? Do you have multiple like cell phone batteries? Like, how do y'all stay on the phone <laughs> as much as you do? Like, when do you sleep? And, and, and it was funny. But I remember one of the times I called you, you didn't answer the phone, mm-hmm. which I wasn't upset about. I was somewhat shocked. But when you did call, you said, oh, I was on the phone ministering to so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And I was excited to know that you chose to continue doing what you knew God was calling you to do right. in the moment instead of putting that down just to cater to my whim of calling you. You knew I was going to answer the phone whenever you called later. But mm-hmm. when you did that to me, it was like, bet. Because that means he's hooked into what he knows God wants him to do, right. who he knows he is in God, and honoring the fact that, you know, that message that you were giving that person could have been a life or death message and being willing to do what you needed to do in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so for people who are dating and you feel constrained that you can't do that, that's probably not going to go away unless the person has yielded themselves to Christ. Mm -hmm. Because when they yield themselves to Christ, then it's easier for them to have um, empathy and understanding of when, you know, you got to do something that the Lord is calling you to do. Mm -hmm. But if it's still one of those things like put my knees first and, you know, because even when the Bible talks about being unequally yoked with an unbeliever, they're not, it's not just about, okay, I'm Christian, you're Buddhist. Now, like, do you even believe that we're supposed to be together? Right, right, right. Do you believe that this is what we're called to do? Do you believe this call? And a lot of times we are un- we're unequally yoked with people who don't believe. Mm-hmm. So if someone has seen you be who God has called you to be and doesn't appreciate it, because I've been there too, mm-hmm. where I felt like I had to really play down and play small and even hearing you know being a person who I don't even want to just call it prophetic because I think God will talk to all of us if we're all listening but someone who hears God like just yesterday I was sending an email and registering for something and I was like God I see the path I see what you're doing here I see it (laughs) like someone who sees and hears God having to play that down and try and stuff that in a box and having to like that was hard and that was painstaking and even watching it go bad because here's what the Lord is saying, you doing the exact opposite lot. Right, right. <laughs> you right, know. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> Abner, like, come on. <laughs> and, and even in the Bible, there's those experiences where the women were like, Hey, this is what the Lord is saying, and the, and the men didn't listen. I, mm-hmm. I've lived that. And and have had the ramifications of that. Even things now that I'm still dealing with because it's like, all right, you didn't listen when I was telling to tell you mm-hmm. this. And now you got us hemmed up. Right. So, you know, I think if, if, again, if people are not in the situation where they're already married and they're already in covenant, get out. And if you are in covenant and that's what you're going through, find a counselor so you can go and have some good, healthy conversations that will bring conversion or change mm-hmm. to the situation. One of the things you said that I think you said in there, uh, yielding. Mm-hmm. And 
I think that ultimately the yielding makes things easy. Mm-hmm. Makes things a lot easier because when you're not yielding to something, mm-hmm. to something, mm-hmm. you're pretty much, it's kind of like when you think about people driving mm-hmm. and if no one ever yields, there's mm-hmm. going to be a crash. Mm-hmm. There's there's gonna be an explosion. There's gonna be something's gonna happen that shouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. But when you yield, it makes room. Mm -hmm. I like that. When you when you yield when you yield, (laughs) it 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 makes room. Mm -hmm. And the thing, and I think what some people, if some people could really understand that there's not weak, it's not a weakness to yield. Mm -hmm. But it takes wisdom to yield. And yielding and making that room, you'll never know what you're making room for, mm-hmm. because that 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 very thing that you've been talking about and you've been you couldn't you couldn't figure out how it was gonna actually come to pass mm-hmm. is usually that thing that needs the space, and because you haven't yielded, mm-hmm. it has not been given it a lot of that space to come in and do what it has to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think in so many other so many different relationships, um, and even friendships, not just relationships, just not not just marital or you know boyfriend girlfriend or whatever relationships. I think in so many other relationships, and people would take a moment to yield and step take a minute step back. I think it would make just it would make so many so many things so much easier. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, oh yeah. 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 I wanted to say something that wasn't necessarily exactly where you are right now, but just watching how excited you got in this moment. Uh, one of these days we'll have to record and be live at the same time. <laughs> um, because watching <laughs> how excited you were, one of the things, going back to the whole part about, you know, being with somebody who knows and loves who God says you are, that would be one of the things that was so um, exciting to me when we would be talking. And I would say to people like, shoot, if you think I'm bad, don't let Justin Bonner get in on you. <laughs> like, let <laughs> the way he get to getting excited and, and saying the things that God is saying to him, like, everybody think I'm the one to be, like, just watching. And so to that point about knowing and can people see. So um, a little off topic here, but there's what's called like a needs inventory. Okay. And it talks about like what our human needs are. So, for example, uh, we need connection. Mm-hmm. We need sometimes aut- autonomy or uh, the ability to be creative. And one of the things that I was looking at that list the other day, and it said to see and be seen. Okay. And I think that this concept that we're talking about today is really about being seen and still loved. Right. So when you say fall in love with someone who loves who God knows you are, mm-hmm. which is, we've also been kind of talking about the gifts and the callings and anointings, but even right. those not so good things, right? right? Like God sees those things and he still loves them. Right, right, right. Right. Mm-hmm. He still loves us because he knows that's the whole, the totality of who we are. Right. So even in seeing people and being seen, not just, oh, please see me and know that I'm called to do this and don't get in my way when it's time for me to do this. Mm-hmm. It's also, yeah, God knows that I'm selfish <laughs> and you know that I'm selfish and you still love me through that. Right. I'm laughing because I know one of our listeners who uh, was talking about, yeah, that's why you didn't get your pancakes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because in my mind, I 
needed to get this thing done, right? <laughs> so you loving me in spite of the fact that, like, if I say we gonna like have pancakes, that may or may not happen mm-hmm. if I get too caught up in, <laughs> um, you know, where I am. So you know, I think that part about even how we can look and see, like, this is what you're called to do. This is what you're working on and working through. And the scripture says a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. Mm-hmm. And when we really break that down, it really causes us to think about how does Jesus love us? What does Jesus love us through? Mm-hmm. What does Jesus know about us right. that he still loves us while we're getting together? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, <laughs> falling in love with someone who knows who you are and at no point does Jesus turn his back like, all right, I'm done. Right. I thought this is who you were. Mm-hmm. You're not. So bye. He loves us and the love leads us to change. And so, you know, being excited about who the person is, even when the thing is getting on your nerves. Mm-hmm. Or your thing is bumping into their thing. Right. But that commitment, because we know that this is who we are, right. because we know we're called to do this, and because we know we're still in process, being able to be committed through that, having conversations through that, those conversations that can lead to change or lead to conversion. So that way we can fully be all that, the good stuff too, right? Mm-hmm. So the things that the known that we don't yeah. like gets even smaller <laughs> to, hey, this is exactly in line with who God says you are. Mm-hmm. And actually seeing that birthed into that person's reality or fostering that growth of what's already been birthed or planted. Right. So that's my takeaway for today. Any, What's your takeaway? <laughs> your last thoughts um, for the people. Well, I, I, I think that... Uh, it's a very, very, very crucial thing and a very uh, important thing to, as we said, make sure that you vet, you're going to have to vet the people. Let's just let's be real. You, 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 you need to really be sure if this is a, if you're in the dating stages, um, really, really, really make sure that this is, uh, the person that is willing to live life with you mm-hmm. uh, and that life will be better mm-hmm. with them. I know I said that was my last thought, but I just thought about it too. Like, mm-hmm. I think we also have to make sure that people are not in love with the image or the idea of who. Right. Right. I remember when we were dating. Um, I had got some new like marketing stuff in. It had the big old like stand with my picture mm-hmm. on and all that kind of stuff. And um, you were saying something. I was like, no, that's Denisha the brand. Like that's that's what everybody else thinks. Mm-hmm. And I was say the myth and the legend. <laughs> and like, but I'm sitting here now in this sweatshirt that you hated <laughs> oh, and my scarf you. on. Oh. But, you know, like, people will see, like, oh, my God, look at your headshots. Look at this website. Look, oh, we heard you speak. We heard you do this. But I'm like, but when that's not even, mm-hmm. you know, when my eyebrows aren't on, they are on permanent now because of microblading. But, like, when I'm <laughs> sitting here in the house. Right. Like, and I think too often, especially for people who are walking in some level of visible ministry or public mm-hmm. 
service is so easy. Like, oh my God, look who that person is. But then when I slip up or when I'm not that person or I'm not living up to everything that that person should be, can Mm -hmm. you still love and know that that's who I still am? Right. Even when I'm not in that space right now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, not falling in love with the idea, but actually knowing, knowing. Knowing the person. And knowing that this is what God said, even when you're not showing me right. that this is what God said. Mm-hmm. So, well, we hope you enjoyed our, our conversation today. And um, if you have not already, subscribe to this podcast so you can get all notifications. Follow us on social media at Focus on Me Pod. At- What's it called? Focus on me podcast. <laughs> that one. <laughs> Focus on me podcast. Focus on Instagram. On me podcast on Instagram, social media as well. And uh, thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Bye, y'all. everybody this is justin and i'm here with my wonderful wife tanisha and you are listening to the focus on me podcast hey did we say happy new year at all this year i forget yeah we said happy new year already okay. that was well like i'm two gonna say ago. happy new year to like <laughs> to saint patrick's day because to saint the way patrick's everybody day. was waiting for 2020 to be done i just need to keep remembering <laughs> that it's a new year so all right welcome <laughs> Well, today we are going to start the first part of a two-part. Uh, maybe more. Maybe more. But at least, the, at the very least, a two-part. Um, and we are going to talk about the word that most people growing up used to almost call it a cuss word. And you'd almost get get uh, told off and put on punishment for saying told it. Told off? <laughs> yeah, when you was little? Oh, yeah. I was going to say, you got told for saying, like, liar. Yeah, but when you use that that famous word, sex. Well, it's funny because I'm sitting here thinking about the TLC song. Uh, Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. That was TLC. It sure was. Who was it? That wasn't. Who was it? Look it up. I can't remember. I'm gonna look it up. You keep talking. You keep. It's not TLC. I promise. Okay, look it up. You keep talking, and I'm gonna look it up. (laughs) This is what our life is like. Googling things to see who is right. Let's bet. Let's bet something. Bet me. Okay, we're going to bet what? What you want to bet? We're going to bet something. It don't uh, matter. Bet me. Because I know, it was, I know who I know who it wasn't. I can tell you who it was, but I know who it wasn't. Who was it? Salt and Pepper. That's what I meant. That's <laughs> <laughs> not TLC. They chase waterfalls. You're right. I, I actually did mean salt and pepper. But it's fine. You didn't, what do you want? I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll work that out after after uh, after this. I don't know. No, you didn't go on record. <laughs> we listen, listen. No, it doesn't matter. I, 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 I have. I got one on. I got one right now. Um, I'll give you half a one. I won't go right to one. Just give me. It's one. It's, it's okay. Just accept that, the one. No, it's just half. Because you didn't tell me who it was. You I knew me. who it wasn't. That's right, all that mattered. Because you, you said you knew who it was. Okay, but anyway, <laughs> so when you said we're gonna talk about sex, I yes. was like, oh, it made me think about that song. Yeah, I remember that though. Yeah, that's funny though. Um, yes, yeah, we're gonna talk about sex. Um, so one of the things I, I feel like this is the episode that everybody's been waiting for us to talk about. <laughs> Why is that? Um, probably just because it's some it's a podcast about relationships and marriage, and we really haven't talked about sex outside of um, the physical touch love language. We talked about it a little bit, but 
Yeah. Not much. But, um, yeah. So, in this episode, we're essentially starting the conversation around how you learn about sex or how the world, the acculturation of sex, how, you know, it shapes your perspective on sex, physical intimacy, relationship, marriage, etc. Right? Mm-hmm. All right, where do you want to start? So I think I think the first thing I'm going to start is because it was it's probably one, one of the main things. I think uh, growing up um, as a child and then like growing as, as I got not to adulthood, but like I would say like mid teenager, mm-hmm. that that little that teenage era area or era, um, I think sex was always something that was hush hush about. Mm-hmm. You never really talked about it. Truth be told, I can honestly say I never ever remember having what they would call the quote unquote talk mm-hmm. or that birds and the bees. Mm-hmm. I, I, I honestly never had that actual conversation. I think I probably asked questions to my brothers, mm-hmm. my brother, and um, might have gotten answers from him. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. I've ne- I can honestly say I never remember having that conversation with my parents at all. Um, and I know that in a church setting, it was, you never really had real conversation about it, whether good, bad, good, bad, or indifferent. Well, good, bad, or indifferent. They, it just was no sex. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was about it. No sex. No sex. No sex. That was about it. <laughs> Why you got to imitate the boys? Because that's, <laughs> that's what it really was. Now, that was, it was like that until, you know, and even like, even growing up, I remember like being taught in like you know in a church setting being taught that you know kissing was 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 a sin you know so it kind of was a confusion like you know younger cuz of course you know you're young you know you want to you want to kiss your little girlfriend or something so it was kind of like well, well all right well that's I can't do that and then if you did it it was you know back in those days it was oh you know you're going to go to hell if you kiss if you kiss a girl so Dang. you know it was it was serious. I mean, they used to try to send us hell for shorts. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, we have to go down the rabbit right, hole. Right, rabbit hole. Back, so, but but back. no. But I I, I I know I've shared this story with you before, um, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna curb it a little bit. Um, but you know, having you know, I think the the epiphany moment for me, uh, as far as uh, being a teenager and knowing that it it couldn't have been as bad as they were telling us it was was when. I remember talking to a, a minister, a pastor at that time, um, about having a conversation about, you know, you know, about kissing. And, you know, they mentioned to me that sometimes women need to need, need, need to get some, but they don't need to get it from, from, from you. And I was like, really, that was really like a mixed message because it was like, you're telling me that they need it, but you're telling me I'm not the one to do it. So that so that tells me it's not as bad as. It can't be as bad as you're saying it is, and it can't be as secretive. Like it was almost like a cult, like a secret society of you know this is what happens when the lights go out and nobody knows what's happening. So so let's let's back up. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard you say about what your experience was, and I want to say I also never had a conversation with either one of my parents about yeah. sex. So crazy to me, the birds and the bees conversation was a TV. TV. Thing. Right, like I would hear them talk about, oh yeah, you got to have the talk or the birds and the bees talk, but it was never a 
lived experience. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know that any of, like, when I kind of just, I can't say I've asked every one of them, but a lot of my friends, even conversations we've had through the years, I can't really ever think of anyone ever telling me that their parents sat them down and talked to them about sex. Right. It was usually after the fact. So yeah. either after they got pregnant or mm-hmm. after they, they got, got caught. caught doing something. <laughs> right, they got caught. It was never like a proactive thing. So, you know, that boy, girls and the boys. Birds no, and the bees. Birds and the bees. There we go. <laughs> that birds and the bees thing to me just really felt like a thing that they did on TV. Uh, I remember yeah. like the first time ever hearing and we ain't gonna go into who, but it was actually in reference to one of your cousins. Um, the first time I ever heard my mom even make a reference that was somewhat sexual in nature, I remember looking at her like, oh my God, did you just say that? Because <laughs> it was like, how would someone, you know, end up in that situation? It was like, they must have been hard up. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, did she just say that? You know, I remember being 19, asking one of my big sisters, like, hey, and I got some questions for you about sex. Like, there was never something that I would have, one, felt comfortable talking to my parents about. Not so much because they wouldn't have. I don't know. It's just something that was not an open communication in our family, you know. Why do I you think, think that's in the black community? It's not. Yeah, even I was say, why do you think in the black community sex is not a conversation that? And I mean, and clearly we're still here. Right. We keep populating. Right. People keep having babies, <laughs> so we're doing it. Like our our race hasn't died out. So why do you think it is that in the black community, or in any community, but particularly black community, that we just don't talk about sex? It's so crazy because I don't. I think it wasn't until at this moment while we're talking, literally, that this thought just dropped in my head about this. But what just dropped in my head is probably one of the reasons why it's not something that's that's just a common conversation. I mean, I know it's not going to be an everyday conversation, but not a conversation that you have with your child or hasn't been in our community in the past probably goes way back before them mm-hmm. to thinking about slave time mm-hmm. and how... Sex was usually equated to rape you a lot of times back then mm-hmm. because of the masters and the things that they were doing and emasculating people. Mm-hmm. So I think, that it, and even like if you fast forward to the times, and I think, I know you, you would know exactly what I'm talking about when I talk about this, when, when, when things would happen where either somebody was raped and they got pregnant or they just got pregnant, they would disappear and you wouldn't see them for a while and then all of a sudden... You know, they pop up and, you know, somebody's got a new sister. Like on Bridgerton. Right, right. You know, mm-hmm. somebody has a new sister all of a sudden. And right. you're like, oh, sent away to Right, they got sent part. away and all of a sudden there's another child. But you, no one know where, nobody knows where they went, you know. And it was kind of like hush, hush, under the rug. No one, it was just like a whole big secret. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think a lot of it has to do with, with, with I would say lineage, I guess you would kind of say. Mm-hmm. And background trauma, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I really think that it's it's a problem that needs to be solved and addressed mm-hmm. in in particularly communities of color and in faith communities. But I'm sure it's not those aren't the only two places because uh, like I said, we keep having babies and people still keep being born. So people are doing the right. thing 
but they're not talking about it. Um, you know, I can remember growing up in the 80s, like, watching Nick at Night, so it'd be, like, episodes of, like, I Love Lucy, or Bewitched, or, or different things, and they would literally, on TV, be sleeping in separate beds. Right. Right? right. They couldn't even show things, um, they couldn't show women wearing certain things, they wouldn't mm-hmm. show a man and a woman being in the bed together, right. and just, you know, the different things, right? But it, it, it's such an interesting... And so as I'm thinking about, I'm really thinking to your point about, uh, you know, slavery and whatnot, but thinking even about the impact of white supremacy, mm-hmm. the impact of white supremacy, Eurocentrism in Christianity, because the main point I wanted to get to was sexuality and sensuality is such a human basic premise, right? right. Right. But then how insert colonization, colonialism, mm-hmm. white supremacy, etc. how that changed, right? So right. if in the black community in America, currently we don't have good education or conversation around sexuality. But if we go back to, you know, other parts of our heritage and ancestry where they didn't wear clothes. Right. That's, right. That's something I just thought about. So yeah. then this insertion of colonialism, imperialism, and now what we say is right is what's right. Mm-hmm. Now we bring people into another country, strip them of all of their identity, mm-hmm. insert rape, insert molestation, et cetera, et cetera, emasculation, separation, now we find ourselves at a place where for hundreds of years we don't have healthy conversations about sex. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and especially in the name of being Christ-like, being godly, being holy, we right. really ain't gonna talk about it. Oh, no. Now, I always felt it was so interesting growing up in church how many people would not cuss, for example. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't use a swear word. But got a baby and don't have a husband. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I was, and I remember being or have, pretty, or have husbands and have other babies. <laughs> I used to be wise, pretty right? rebellious and be like, I guess the skirts are easier to come up than the pants. So I mean, because <laughs> we we can't wear skirts, we can't wear pants, but there's a whole lot of unwed mothers in here, and mm-hmm. I'm not shaming anyone who not had a all. baby. I'm just saying there's something wrong here. We making a whole. Right doctrine and platform about the wrong thing mm-hmm. <laughs> we doing a whole lot of conversation about stuff and not talking about the right stuff but yeah in, in our family we never i didn't never even talk to my sisters about sex <laughs> so i found that interesting when you said you talked to your brother and got answers yeah. from them now let me ask this do you feel like men talk about sex more freely than women do i think it depends on on the relationship they have with people so I think so. I'm talking bro, about men to men. Men. Well, when I say men, and I even say that men okay. to men. So I mean, in in the respect of, so I start younger. So like teenagers, teenagers, teenagers are going to talk about the things, the things that happen within that space. Mm-hmm. Men to men, I think. Um, I actually, and this is might sound interesting, but I think that it's kind of on a level playing field. When it comes to men to men versus women to women, I think women to women 
if they trust the people and they have a relationship, depending on who they are, probably talk about it just as much as a man. Yeah, that's not been my experience. And the reason I say that is because I've been around different ones that have done it. And, and yes, that's not been my experience. It's been my experience that, and from what I gather, experience of other people, that men will more freely talk about, well, let me say the male gender, whether those boys, teens, adults, they will talk about sex or sex-related things way more than girls do, Mm -hmm. whether that's because they were sneaking and looking at Playboys or pornography or bragging about what they did who mm-hmm. even when you watch a good tv show or something like we watching the teacher all the locker yeah. room conversation right. uh, frat house conversation mm-hmm. and i'm not saying women don't have those types of conversation it's i feel and in my experience it has been more prevalent that men would do it someone asked asked me a question who someone who's married and uh, she was in a bible study group and she was asking me if I had a group of friends that we talked about sex amongst each other. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, you know, growing up and even the time that we went to college together, I said growing up and when we were would have known each other back in that space. No, I said now, I mean, we definitely have a community of women, sisters, where we talk about mm-hmm. everything, you know, how to get a loan from, to start up, you know, business loan or grant right. all the way to how to make sure you stretch well before, right. you know, you have relationships. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we talk about a lot of things and it is so wonderful to have a community. Right. And one of the things she was saying, like, I really wish I had that. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about how her and the Bible study group, someone made a reference to let's read this book together around like sex and relationships and they all clutched their pearls like, ooh, sister so-and-so, like, no. And she said, I really wish they would read it because I really want us to be able to have these types of conversations. Right. And she was, you know, essentially expressing some jealousy over the fact that that's what, what my experience was. And so we just talked how, about how much that impacts the health of a relationship, mm-hmm. the health of a marriage, even just to have that conversation with other people, whether it's right. getting tips ideas or you know right, right. um information and whatnot and so I, like i said I, i've not known a lot of women who can say now i think tv shows like sex in the city or friends mm-hmm. even um living single like in black tv shows that wasn't the same type of conversation right, that they right. would have like that Monica and Rachel and Phoebe had or right. and I don't even know the characters from Sex and the City but I mean the show was called Sex and the City right, right. <laughs> and I don't know that there's a lot of people in my life that have had that type of experience I mean I think I think with men I think and this is being you know being around different people I think with, with depending on the, the nature of the relationship I think will depend on the type of of sexual conversation, so so for instance, I think growing up and even even in adulthood, you still hear you hear you hear you'll hear men talk about quote unquote conquest, so to speak, mm-hmm. like oh yeah, I did this, I did this, I did that. Um, I think certain men don't feel comfortable with the, the, the depending on how deep the conversation gets. For instance, so if it's just a ge- generic thing about, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, they, oh, the guys did this. And, and, and guys are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's about it. I think 
when it, it becomes to asking like detailed questions, like health or right, yeah, In, informative things, health thing, it, it, regarding sex. I think men men often clam up about that. Agreed. And don't usually have, but that's that that'll be the conversation killer for that. Mm-hmm. If you want to, if you want to get details of you know of good, bad, ugly. That's when you. That's you when when you when I talk about. I'm talking about more like health in a, in a health standpoint. Okay, that's what I say because I think even just honestly sometimes the way that you said that they talk about things at your job, I'm like y'all was standing there talking about this. But not. I'm talking about. I'm talking about from a health right, standpoint. That's what I said. I, when you start talking about from a health standpoint, then it goes. I agree. That's deflate. what I'm saying. I think the conquest or the bragging sometimes is definitely a. It's a real thing among among men. I think women are more likely to talk Details. health. Well, not just detail, but health. Like, hey, I I haven't had my period in seven days. What's that mean? Like, you know, right, or right. what do I need to do to make you know certain things happen? So mm-hmm. I think we will talk more fact and information, whereas I think guys talk a lot of bragging and whatever. And even just watching, I think the way, and I always say this, and I stand by it. I think women are trained and taught about sex way differently than guys are. I was watching, it was a, uh, I was looking for a video clip, but it's an episode of Blackish. Um, we haven't seen it yet, but I saw the clip where Diane and Jack, they're twins, right? Mm-hmm. So Diane had like a crop top hoodie or something, and she took a picture and put it on the gram, and like her little belly button or something was showing. And they had a fit. Now, Bo, trying to be kind of this empowered female, was trying to address it in a way like, hey, you get your body, you know, respect your body, you get to choose. Mm-hmm. Dre is about like to take the door off her room and all this kind of stuff. And at whatever point, Diane says, Jack has a whole picture of his little naked bird chest up and all these little girls and y'all ain't sending him. And Dre's like, you got a picture? How many likes you got? Like, and it starts kind of like going into this. And even Bo fell into it a little bit like, really? How many? You're, she liked the picture too? Mm-hmm. And so Diane is like, wait a minute. Right, how is right. it that he can have, he can be naked over here on the gram? Mm-hmm. And y'all are fine with that. And he's kissing girls and all that. And I got a picture up. Right. And, and I think that was such a good example, even in 2020 and 2021, where women are not allowed to do certain things that men are allowed to do with no question or no judgment. Mm -hmm. And that has not changed, whether that's because, you know, when I was a 10-year-old, 12-year-old girl to even now, like, if a girl is doing something, she's a hoe. If the boy is doing it, he's celebrated. That, well, I mean... Overall has been the case, but I definitely think that that there's a lot of whole whole, whole dudes now, and, and and that are that that are called out for being a hoe. Like yo, dude, who's definitely a hoe? Called and out by who? By his peers. I was about to say like other dudes. Oh yeah. Right. Now now I, I definitely say not now more now than then because I think and I'm not saying they're still not not still you know like you're like rooting person on because there are still circles of that, but there are also more circles like yeah, dude, you a hoe like. Like, dude, come on. Like, like don't, like, nah, well, but here, But let's look at this, right? How much hoism does he have to do before people be like, yo, now that shit is next level. You just win. So, you, for example, a girl 
can sleep with, not even sleep, can be dating person A and then date that person's friend. Mm-hmm. Then maybe date another person in the same grade and she's a hoe. Mm-hmm. But for a dude to be called a hoe, he had to have 20 in one night. And then y'all be like, oh, you have four? What? You have seven? What? It was three at a time? What? Okay, well, now you just well, you, a hoe. But you, like, know what? <laughs> but you know what, though? The diff- I think also there, and I don't know if it's, it's it, it may not, sometimes I think it does apply. I think with women too, but I know with men, I know, I know with brothers, some, some other folks, some of the others don't have the same type of code. Whereas like, you know, you don't, you know, like if if you're if you're dating, let's say I, I'm dating this one one somebody. You you don't usually date if your boy was dating or your brother or your somebody. Usually that's not something that's, that that happens. Where maybe in mind the summer. And some not well. Usually it was you, you try to try to you try to steer away, or you at least gave it some time. Like, yeah, I mean I do think there's a bro code, but that's not what we talk. No, about. No, but what I'm saying is I know I know of people where they were they dated they dated the brother. They dated the cousin. They dated the best friend, and it was like, though, dude, that's not that's not okay." Right. And it was like, "Yo, yeah, you're a hoe." And I, I, that's I not have called my best friends. But look at who, that, though. How many like people? That. How many people did they have to run through before they got the title hoe? For you me, you said they brother, ran, they best no, friend, I, they cousin. I they, ran through. I, 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 my boy. I remember we were growing up. He ran through three back. I was like, "Dude, you a hoe." I didn't even t- at, the, at the third, I was like, dude, really? Because it was like, okay, first one maybe didn't work out. Okay, but why'd you? Then I questioned, like, dude, why are you messing with the second one? And they're, they're, they're like, close with, with the one you just with. And then when you got the third, I was like, dude, come on now. So that so it, it only took three for me. Now, whatever it takes for the rest of them, that's on them. But I think a lot of it also had to do with the connections of the people, too. Right, and that's my point, though. I think women can do something one time. Because even when you say connections, one of the things I hear in that is like ethics, morals, you don't mm-hmm. date in the same pool. But if he had been with like three separate non-connected groups of women, he probably wouldn't have been labeled a hoe. Probably not. You're right. So In that respect, probably not. But I mean, I think that that connection made, made does make a difference. I agree. And, and, and I think with women though, because even if a woman is date, if a woman dates three dudes from three different sectors, mm-hmm. that's a lot different than date, dating three close knit guys. No, I don't. Think I think I, my, what I'm saying is it's that is equivalent to what I was saying as far as the man dating the three close knit, the three close knit guys that she's dating, and the three close knit dudes. That's equivalent to me. Right, but what I'm saying is a girl can have three different relationships maybe not even connected mm-hmm. and be considered a whole way before the guy connected or not will be considered a whole no I, I i don't disagree with that that's what i'm saying that's usually how how, how it's really per- portrayed which i think kind of lends us into something else that we'll have to tee up for the next conversation is you know this idea of women's liberation and um freedom from some of the stereotypes and labels, right? Mm-hmm. So I I don't remember who sang it. I'm not about to lose another bet. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it was Nicki Minaj and Cardi B. Oh, I probably they had the WAP song last year. 
Look, I sound old now. Talking about death. Yeah. Listen, I don't. I don't. No, but like that one song. That song called. I guess that's what it is. But my point though is when they had that when that song came out and that it sparked a lot of conversation about things that are not discussed. Once again, things that are done, right. but things that are not discussed. And that song brought it into mainstream conversation. Mm-hmm. It brought it into mainstream radio. It brought it into, you know, I, I don't like to talk about things being called out. It called it into the conversation mm-hmm. because people actually, because I remember having to actually just text somebody like, what is all this WAP stuff? I mm-hmm. keep hearing about it. You know, somebody was like, I don't know. Let me look it up. And right. here's the funny part. I called one of my sister girl circle. Right, mm-hmm. somebody in my circle is gonna know because mm-hmm. we we have these levels of conversations. So I think at the end of the day, you know, sex and relationships, and and we hear all the time about how sex is part of the problems that people have in their relationship, mm-hmm. or when sex is a problem, it becomes a problem, a bigger problem in the relationship. And the fact that we don't talk about it. The fact that we don't teach people about it, the fact that we don't even train children correctly for their pending relationships Mm -hmm. about it is so interesting to me because it's such a huge part of our humanity. It's such a huge part of our lives, our relationships, and it's such a small subject or it gets so much, so little airtime, especially in places that should be teaching. Right, yeah. so we often talk about how most of our learning about sex came from watching HBO or Cinemax, mm-hmm. and this was not at the days of Cinemax like it is now, or HBO or Showtime as a streaming channel, like where you had to sneak right. late at night and see what might two be o'clock on. The, two o'clock in the morning, you know. Yeah. And that reality <laughs> that those places were our teachers instead mm-hmm. of people who had truth, people who had a healthy understanding of sexuality mm-hmm. and a healthy balance of faith and spirituality teaching that but that was not something that we experienced yeah and and I don't think that that was the experience of a lot of people at least from what I've heard and encountered so then we wonder why people have these relationship problems mm-hmm. when they never had good education. That's like saying, well, no wonder you don't drive good. You didn't take driver's ed. Right. Or no one ever told you how to drive. Mm -hmm. No wonder you having that problem in your relationship when no one ever really taught you about or whatever lessons you had were connected to abuse and misuse and coercion and force. Somebody else's trauma. Right. And now it has impacted your ability to have healthy expression of sexuality within your relationship. Yeah. So, um, we had our 30 minute mark. So we'll wrap up for part one. <laughs> we're going to pick right back people? up. What would you, um, what's your last words for this? I'm not going to give them the last word, any last words. I'm going to tell them, just listen, just listen to the next one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we go, we're going to pick up right where we left off on this one. And it was salt and pepper who said, let's talk about sex. That's right. So here my last, <laughs> my last words for that is go listen to that song. Listen to the lyrics because one of the parts that always stands out in my mind is let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and, and me. me. Let's talk about all, all the, the good, good things, things and, and the bad, bad things, things that made me. Mm-hmm. 
let's talk about sex. Mm-hmm. And so I think we had to really think about like it's it's a part of our makeup, it's a part of our life, it's God ordained and all those different things. And Satan's job, I heard it said that the word Satan means literally to twist. And so whether that's actually true or not, I don't know, but I like the concept. But Satan twists the things that God always had in mind. And so if we're walking around talking about the bad things only, well, why did it get bad? How did it get bad? Right. That sends me back to the garden. We have to, to you know, say that for part two. <laughs> yeah. <So yes. laughs> in between now and the next episode, go check out them lyrics to... Salt and pepper. Salt and pepper. Not TLC. <laughs> oh, <laughs> let's talk about sex. <laughs> and we'll catch y'all on the next episode. Bye. <laughs>